hello everybody and welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. We are so thankful that y'all are joining us again today for our episode. We are in episode 11 uh, and my name is Ben and I'm joined here again by Paul Hugobart. Yeah, good to be here this morning. Um, do a quick disclaimer that I messed up my back a little bit yesterday and so if anything strange comes yes. out of my mouth, it's the medicine talking and not, uh, <laughs> not me, right? So we'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's good to be here regardless yes. of the yep. uh, strange, spongy medicine feelings in my brain right now. And uh, no, it's, it's good to be here. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we are continuing our series uh, called With You Always, a series about the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I'm excited to dive back into this. Yep. And we are, we're up to part three in our messages. Hopefully y'all been following along and have been able to check those out. Just a quick plug, if you have it, I would recommend go back, check those out. You can look at our, um, either on our Facebook page, we've got our messages, website, um, podcast feed for that. But we would highly recommend be following along. We're jumping into part three. So Paul, just give us like a quick one minute recap. Like what's, where are we at in this series? Yeah, so, uh, so in this series, again, we're talking about the, uh, the indwelling presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've acknowledged several times on multiple occasions now that uh, the reality is, especially in our tradition, but in most intellectual traditions, uh, the Holy Spirit has not been a, a personage that we have talked about much, right? So in my upbringing, definitely, we would talk about the Holy Spirit some We'd certainly read the passages with, uh, you know, the, the name Holy Spirit in them because mm-hmm. those are almost inescapable. And certainly we may talk about that a little bit more today, the, the, just the wealth of passages within the New Testament that talk about the Holy Spirit. But just because we would read those passages didn't mean we would actually stop and discuss, talk about, contemplate. Yeah. Uh, and certainly then when we talk about the indwelling presence or then the second part of that, the work of the Holy Spirit, we would often look at, at that as something that happened back then, but doesn't really happen now, right? So okay. what does the Holy Spirit do as far as work is concerned? I don't know, it's kind of a head scratcher. And, and the reality is it was a head scratcher then, and it's somewhat a head scratcher now, just because for many of us, we have not engaged to see what the Holy Spirit does mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. even in our day and age. But, um, you know, as I've said several times in this series, both here in preaching on Sundays, and then also in this podcast, um, we ought to be desperate for the working of the Holy Spirit, especially yeah. when we look yeah. at the landscape around us. So much going on in this world, um, so many things that just seem so broken, and we look at them and we say, there's just no way that can be fixed, whether it be you know, what's so obvious right now, the, the mess in Ukraine, or whether it be the racial tensions we faced in this nation, or you know, the struggle and divisions over uh, all the different issues surrounding uh, the, the COVID pandemic that seems to be moving into an epide- epidemic phase at this point in time, whatever it is, we've got all this brokenness that has just risen to the surface and that is so obvious, so evident. So what? What do we do in response to that? Well, many people try to say, well, we're going to step in and we're going to solve this problem. So we become activists and we become other things like that. And even within mm-hmm. the church, and I'm certainly not saying activism is a bad thing. I'm just yeah. saying activism in the end can't actually solve the problems we're facing because mm-hmm. the problems we're facing are not just people problems. We believe if we pull back the veil, 
we would actually see, as, as the Apostle Paul talks about our struggle not being against flesh and blood, that we would see that these are actually problems rooted in the spiritual world and that as much as Russia might manipulate us on Facebook, we've got these spiritual <laughs> entities out there somewhere, or even maybe you'd say right here, that are manipulating us, that are yeah. actually causing us to, uh, to move toward chaos instead of move toward things like peace and joy yeah. and happiness and love. And, you know, all these things that the Spirit would call us to, um, the things that we would call mm -hmm. the fruit of the mm -hmm. Spirit, we're actually more drawn to the things of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Well, why is that? We have to admit there's something going on. And so that really is the aim of this series this month to say we've got to become aware of the workings of the spiritual world around us. And then we also have to become aware of this gift because that's, that's the way we talked about it when we, uh, you know, we talked about it this past Sunday, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about the fact that he's going to send a gift, the advocate. We talked about that last week in the podcast. And so really those are the things that we're hitting on this series is this incredible, beautiful gift that we've left underneath the tree, unwrapped, untouched, <laughs> ignored for years, but that we're finally, I think, waking up to say we cannot live without what's in that box and it's time to open up the box and there's no more box on the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be alive and working in our churches. So as we landed last week and as we ended last week, just this idea that, God, we want you here, whatever that means. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, we want your presence here. We need your presence with us. Well, and I love how we've kind of moved forward in this series with kind of starting with just open up to the idea that maybe, like, just right. be, become open to this, that maybe the Spirit is at work. Maybe, like, become open to what He might be doing. And last week, coming down to just saying, we need to desire this. Like, yes. not just be open to it anymore. Let's desire it. Let's want it. And then I think this week, as we move into this week's message, we kind of start to look a little bit at what He's doing in yes. our lives, right? That's right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this week's message, about what we, were, what we talked about with the Spirit uh, this week? Yeah. yeah. First, if I could acknowledge, so over the next two episodes, we're going to be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, dividing that down into two areas. And um, I just want to say at the front, I know how limiting that is to say, here are two areas in which the Holy Spirit, because again, if you look at you know, the yeah. New Testament, we have nearly a hundred times that, yeah. that we see, if you put the word Holy and Spirit together, so Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is talked about at least a hundred times. Yeah. Now, beyond that, if you just put in the word the Spirit, you're going to get some times where we're not necessarily talking about the Holy Spirit, but you're going to find that, that more than 50% of those references are talking about the Holy Spirit as well. Yeah. And so there's a wealth of conversation about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So for us to try to say, here are the two ways, that's not at all what yeah. I'm doing in, in the next two weeks. It's saying, not supposed to be exhaustive. Are These are just, yeah, yes. Exactly right. It's not okay. exhaustive. And so, um, so the reason that we're looking at the, the way that the Holy Spirit works in my life to help bring me to a point of faithfulness. And then the following week, next week, the reason the, or the way the Holy Spirit works to fuel the mission of Jesus, to okay. provide fire for the mission of Jesus, is because as we've talked about renewal, revival, and mm -hmm. awakening, mm -hmm. two common elements in renewal, revival, and awakening are, are when the people of God say yes, right, to the things of God. Mm -hmm. So when the people of God live out faithfulness to the things of God express, as expressed in the Word of God. 
And then the second piece of that is, you know, the people of God in a radical way embracing the presence of God among them. And so we're looking at this idea of faithfulness because I think that is one of the precursors to revival oftentimes is God's people coming back in faithfulness to the things of God. But in this week's message, in this podcast episode as well, we're making the very, I think, for some people, revelatory acknowledgement that this is not something we can do on our own power. Yeah. It is something that you and I play a role in. We have a partnership with God or with the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8, which is mm-hmm. where we spent most of our time, and we can kind of start to break that down just a little bit. Um, but we are called into this partnership with God where bit by bit we're able to move to a place where we look more like Jesus, where, as Paul would say, I think that's uh, eight, Romans 8, uh, 29, where we are conformed into the likeness of the Son, which is, of course, Jesus. And that's, that's the idea of discipleship as well. So well, I mean, what, do you, what do you mean by that? When you say we're <clears throat> partnering with God in that of becoming more like Jesus, what, okay. what does that look like? What do you mean by that? Yes. Okay. So that's that's a good question. So um, you know, Paul toward uh, the middle of this chapter um, talks about that that we, right? He says, so you know, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Then he says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so what Paul is actually talking about is our struggle to live faithfully in regards to what God has asked us asked us to or asked of us. You know, we, we call that sin. So anytime God asks me to do something and I say no to it, I'm choosing my way over God's way. That's, mm-hmm. that's unfaithfulness to what God has asked me to do, especially for those of us who've already said, God, I pledge my faithfulness to you. I'm giving my life to you. I'm, I'm with you. You're my Lord, my Savior and my Lord. When we choose to keep going our own way, it's, it's like a double unfaithfulness in one mm-hmm. sense. Now, um, you know, that, that is part of our problem. So we have this reality that we have both the flesh that we're connected to, so this body, this, this very carnal existence, but then the spirit that wants to come and renew our bodies, our lives. And so we're torn between those two. Which one is it going to be? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we give in to the flesh and sometimes we say yes to the spirit, but we're, we are supposed to be the people that more and more say yes to the things of the Spirit and less and less say yes to the things of the flesh. But how does that happen? It is this working. It is this partnership with the Holy Spirit to put to death, as Paul would say, uh, the misdeeds of the body. And so, you know, that's this idea that, um, you know, that, that, that God is working to sanctify us, this kind of, you know, uh, Christianese language I know. But but sanctify is actually a very good biblical word. Mm-hmm. It is sanctification. So we talk about justification and sanctification. So the moment you come to God, you come to Jesus, you give your life to him, right? So in that moment, you say, yes, I'm following you from here on forward. You're repenting. You're baptized. We'll talk about that more later. But in that moment, we're saved and sanctified. But then begins the process of sanctification, or we're saved, we're justified. So yeah. I should say we're saved and justified. And in that moment begins the process of sanctification, which takes a lifetime of partnering with the Holy Spirit to slowly, bit by bit, put to death the misdeeds mm-hmm. of the body. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's kind of what what we mean when we say that. And so 
Um, so Paul talks about in this section of Romans 8, 1 through 14, and the way that I, I tried to boil that down into three things is that Paul is calling us to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. So we all know that, again, we've got desires within our flesh that pull us to all different places, that pull us to the things of the old life. Um, you know, may, maybe a great way to think about this, and I, I did substance abuse counseling for a time um, when I worked in the counseling center. Um, you know, that, that is a place where you really see on display someone continually drawn back to the things of the flesh. So we think yeah. about that in yeah. the sense of addiction. Uh, but all of us on some level develop these mm -hmm. addictions, mm -hmm. whether we think about it as substance abuse or abuse <coughs> of uh, sort of addict addictive substances. The reality, the reality is all of us develop somewhat addictions or dependence upon the things of the flesh or the things of this world, the things that would draw sin, would pull us back toward sin. And so, you know, it could be that... Um, you know, for example, let's say that um, let's say that before I became a Christ follower, I had I had a real anger problem, and anger is what I would resort to because it was it felt like a safe place, and that often is the mm -hmm. reason. By the way, anger, anger is often a secondary emotion, so you might be afraid, or you might be sad, and you might not want to deal with sadness, fear, or potentially anxiety even. Mm -hmm. And so, what you do is you build this hard wall, this exterior of anger or you don't get your way, and so you're disappointed, and so here comes anger, because anger sometimes seems like a safe place. <laughs> so I'm now, I've, I've built this fortress of anger, it's my strong and safe place, so that's yeah. where I, I launch from. Well, let's say that that was the pattern of behavior for me. Now, I might start to fight that, and so you don't see it come out in the little things, right? So I'm afraid about something small or I'm sad about something small. I don't go to anger. I actually deal with the fear and I deal with the sadness. But when a bigger thing comes along and now I'm either sad or afraid or anxious, I'm not, I'm not willing or I'm not able to yet uh, get to this place where I deal with the emotions in a healthy way. And so what happens is I go back to anger. So I go back to the thing of the flesh. The spirit was helping me deal with the emotions in a, in a more healthy fashion, right? So mm -hmm. it was moving me towards love, joy, and peace, which we actually were made to be emotional beings. But when we deal with emotions in a healthy way, we we kind of stay away from the more unhealthy emotions. It's it's you know you didn't deal with the uh, the sadness in a proper way, so then you become angry. Um, anyway, the, the point is to say that you know drawn back to those things of the flesh in moments where. Um, that wells up within me. In fact, you know, it's, it's just earlier, one chapter earlier, the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that he still has this struggle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He says, you know, there, so, there's, there's these things that I want to do and I don't do them. The things that yeah. I don't want to do, I do. Who's going to save me? He says, I'm a wretched man. Who's going to save me from mm -hmm. this body of sin? Mm -hmm. And he says, it's, it's Jesus. It's the work of the Spirit that does save us from that. Go ahead. So, so that first statement was live according to the Spirit, not the flesh. So, <clears throat> so kind of that's what it looks like to live according to the flesh, to slip back into that. Yeah. Living according to the Spirit, I, I would imagine, yes. is that talking about maybe the fruit of the Spirit, of the um, yes. I don't know, just the indwelling work of the Spirit, certainly... I'd see that as a part of it. What, what, what would you see that as? Absolutely. Paul so, says, so the next two the pieces um, that, that I, next two ways that I summarized what Paul says, I think actually give us the beginning guidance in that. Okay, okay. So when we live according to the Spirit, when we choose to live according to the Spirit, we actually allow our minds to be guided by the Spirit. 
Okay. Now, that's, that's going to take some work for some of us. If you've yeah. allowed your mind yeah. to be guided by the flesh and the desires of the flesh, if you always say yes to your flesh, yeah. what's going to happen is you're going to give into your flesh even more and more. You're going to develop those patterns. So you're going to have to work out of one pattern to be able to work into another, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it is now the spirit that is guiding your mind. Mm -hmm. We can talk about a number of ways that, that could happen and try to make that practical. I think obviously engaging with the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. As we start to read Scripture, yeah. more of that works its way into us. And so now that becomes part of who we are in a sense. It, it starts to embed itself into our spiritual DNA. And so we live more and more in a way that our minds are guided by the Spirit because the old adage is true. Garbage in, garbage out. But if you put the good stuff in, good stuff will come out as well. But that mm. takes time. Mm -hmm. Again, that, that's working in partnership with the Spirit. And, and that's actually what Paul talks about. Next, too, when he says, you know, by the Spirit, you need to put to death the misdeeds of the body. The reality is the more we say yes to those misdeeds, the more we're addicted to those same misdeeds. And so mm -hmm. if we want to make the transition of being, of allowing our minds, we could say, to be guided by the flesh, to allowing our minds to be guided by the Spirit, it does begin with a saying no to those things of the flesh yeah. so that we can say yes to those things of the Spirit. But it, it's a partnership. Again, this is not me trying, just trying harder and trying harder by myself. This is about me surrendering more to the Spirit. And I think that's an important distinction because a lot of us, I think we turn Christianity into, into moralizing. Mm -hmm. Okay, where I just need to say no to all these bad things. And certainly even as we're having this conversation, it could sound that way until we bring in this next aspect, this truth that what we are called to do is surrender to the Spirit. We're giving over control to Him instead of the next level of trying to control ourselves which is, I'm going to do this all under my own power. I'm just going to try to do the good things instead of the bad things. And I think that's a really important distinction for some people to make. Some people struggle with this more than others. Again, you come to faith, you start to follow Jesus, and you believe what I need to do is exert the next level of self-control or personal control over my life, right? I've had control over my life, and I was choosing the bad things. Now I just need to choose the good. Yeah. That is part of it but it's done in partnership with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's by the Holy Spirit, Paul says again, that we're putting to death mm -hmm. the misdeeds mm -hmm. of the body. So I think if we're gonna live according to the Spirit, not the flesh, it is allowing our mind to be guided by the Spirit and then also starting to disrupt those desires of the flesh, again, but by the Spirit then putting to death the misdeeds of the body. And that allows us to start to live according to the Spirit and then not the flesh. That's good. I like that. So one of the one of the quotes that you'd said in the message that I wanted to just kind of hear a little mm -hmm. bit more about was that as the Holy Spirit indwells in you, He acts as a catalyst to holiness. So we've kind of talked about yeah. that a little bit, yes. um, but share a little bit more about that. What is that? What does that mean for the Spirit to be acting as a catalyst to holiness in our lives? And I mean, I'd love to hear just a little bit practical too of like what do you think yeah. that actually looks like in a person's in a person's life. Yeah, so, so there are a number of times in Scripture where we see what, what to me have at times been these, these, these almost uncomfortable statements. Mm -hmm. You know, you think back all the way to Leviticus 11, there's one of those. There's the be holy as I am holy statement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or Jesus saying himself. Be perfect as my Father is yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's exactly right. So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah. That's a big deal. 
Peter repeating that <laughs> yeah. in First Peter 1, 15 and 16, you know, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Yeah. I think sometimes we, we miss this reality or, or we minimize this, right? So we, we, look at, we look at those statements and we say, that's just not practical. Um, you know, Jesus was hyperbolizing when he said, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And maybe what Jesus was doing was setting a somewhat unattainable standard because we've already missed perfection, all of us. I mean, that's, you know, you take that and harmonize that with Romans 3. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, 100% true, but Jesus is not just thinking about our past, he's thinking about our future. And so what goal are we setting for our lives as we're partnering with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's nothing short of holiness. Mm -hmm. It's nothing short of set-apartness mm -hmm. for the work of God. And so I think, I think when we actually set a lower goal, we're, we're selling short the work, the miracle that the Holy Spirit can and wants to do in us. Again, we're dealing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so maybe this will help just a little bit. So Paul actually in the same section of Romans 8, he talks about this. He says that, that it is the Spirit of Jesus, right? So the Spirit, the Spirit is living in you. So the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. I, mean, I want you to just stop and think about that for just a second. So Paul is saying that the Spirit of God who had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, lives in us. So the Spirit took a dead man yeah. and breathed new life into yeah. him. And then we think, well, I'm not sure the Spirit can really work to make me holy. He yeah. raised a dead man. Yeah. Breathed new life into a dead man's body, and three days later, that dead man walked again. What you would know? you, if someone were to push back on that and mm -hmm. were to say, I mean, because I've had I've had this kind of conversation before, where I have had people maybe push back a bit and say, well, okay, if we're but if we're never going to be able to fully achieve holiness, then why do we why do we strive for that here on earth? If we know that you know we're flawed people, we're never going to fully make that. So is that yeah. is that putting too high of a standard? If we know we're not going to receive perfection, now. Jesus seemed to think that was still the standard, but how would, how would you respond to that if someone were to push back on that a bit? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair because people have pushed back on that. I've, I've received that same kind of pushback myself. I think Paul spends much of this chapter trying to point us to the work of the Spirit within us and the extent to which the Spirit wants to work within us. And mm -hmm. perhaps that comes into focus around Romans 8.28 through 8.30. Yeah, we know 828 pretty well, right? So that, that God is working in all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, right? So God is working for the good of those who love him. And many times what we do with that verse is we say, well, God is working for the things that I would consider good. And so God is working to get me this next job and God's working to get me this nice car. And even when we don't prescribe to the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel, we kind of do, mm -hmm. especially with that verse. The way we use that verse or the way we, what we think that verse is actually telling us, we prescribe to prosperity gospel light, many of us in, in North America. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. So let's take that verse and put it into context real quick because in the very next verse, Paul tells us what the good is that God is working toward. It's this. He says these words. He says, for, God, for those God foreknew, 
he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. That's the good that God is working toward. Mm -hmm. So was Jesus holy? Was Jesus perfect? Was Jesus righteous? Is God's goal to transform us into Jesus, to conform us to the image of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit within us? That is the goal. You know, even as we talk about discipleship, and we talk about that a lot here at Grace Chapel, and we use, um, we use Real Life Ministries' uh, definition for what it means to be a disciple. It's one who follows Jesus. Mm-hmm. From, this is from Matthew 4.19. Yep. Who follows Jesus, then is being changed mm-hmm. by Jesus, or we could say the work of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was, of course, as he was engaging with his disciples, he was saying, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men at this mm-hmm. point in time, so I will make you. So Jesus was doing the making in his fleshly body but 100% divine he's also he's working with his disciples right there so he's with them but now the holy spirit is with us mm-hmm. so he is the one now working to make us into something we couldn't be if he was not working in us mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. and the, his target even if it's not our target by the way is holiness yeah that's his target yeah so for somebody who would push back on this i would say to them Do you want your target for what God wants to make you into? Or do you want God's target for what God is making you into? Because Scripture is plain over and over again. It is the image and likeness of Jesus that you and I are supposed to be conformed or transformed to through the working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I don't don't know if this is a helpful illustration, but I'm going to give it anyway so y'all can be the judge. But... um, I heard this story once from this speaker, uh, Ryan Leak, who is okay. sharing this story. Um, and I think he he wrote a book about this or something. I believe it was called Shoot for Failure was like the okay. talk that he had. And he told this story about how he, he always enjoyed playing basketball. And one day he set out on this goal to try out for an NBA team. And he was just a total novice at it. Wow. And he went for this goal that he was going to get on this NBA team. And in the process of doing this, he th- there was a part of him that thought that I'm not going to ever be able to make it onto this NBA team. But he fully committed to this mm-hmm. and was going after this goal. And he shares, like in retrospect and looking back at it, it brought him further than he would have ever right. been able to go if he wasn't shooting for this goal. He actually did. He got to try out, I forget which, I want to say it was with the Lakers. I mean, he was like on oh a goodness. walk-in like, type situation and like he got to play on the court with them. He had a connection and mm-hmm. was able to get in there and just play in a trial. And he didn't make the team. He's not an NBA star. But by shooting for, towards that goal, he got further than he ever would have got. If he just said, I want to be a really good basketball player. Well, then he would have never gotten to that level. He would have never had that experience. So I wonder if there's an application when it comes to shooting for holiness that there is a level. I do think of acknowledging that this side of heaven, we're not going to attain fully being like Jesus. But as we're going towards that goal, it's going to move us closer and closer and closer. Every day of our life, we're going to keep being more sanctified or keep being renewed more and hopefully every day when I look back I see that today I'm a little bit more like Jesus I'm a little bit more like Jesus so it's just something that keeps moving us forward and obviously you know in that just story 
that's not a, that's not being propelled by the Holy Spirit. We're being propelled by right. the Holy Spirit that's exactly towards right. this goal. And even if it is something that this side of eternity, we're not going to beat Jesus, but we're still going for that that's right. perfection. And it's going to move us closer and closer to being more like him. I think that's a great illustration. I think, um, again, it, it points out that for us, it's a question of surrender again. It's a question of, am I giving up what I want or my control to the Holy Spirit so that what he wants for me becomes what I want for me as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, maybe a way to take your illustration and bring it into context here. Mm -hmm. um, what we often do in the church and have done in the church for years and what individual Christians do is we measure ourselves by others around us. And we determine if I can be arm's length better than those people out there, then I must be doing okay. Right? So, you know, what we've seen oh, yeah. in the last That's 50 good. years That's is in good. many different ways, um, society around us has not become a better standard for living mm -hmm. a holy life, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, there are some ways which I think we've actually, you know, I think uh, you have aspects of the, the Me Too movement that are calling us to uh, better, better sexual ethics, mm -hmm. right? You have aspects of, um, you know, of the, the, the cultural movements surrounding um, surrounding race mm -hmm. that that have called us to treating people in a better way and, and never evaluating mm -hmm. people based upon or evaluating people based upon the, the, the color of their skin in relation to the worth that mm -hmm. God has placed mm -hmm. that, it, those are those are really yeah. good things right so but in but most whole, other ways yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, society is not moving us toward holiness and so yep. um, so if we continue to say, well, if I can stay arm's length better, mm -hmm. in a sense, than those people out there, the reality is we're not doing so well, right? Yeah. So again, we, we've set our we've set it our target. Turns into self righteousness too, to some self righteousness. Extent, that's then exactly it's just right. as long as I'm better than you, then I'm good with God. But if the yes. standard is Jesus, well, then we're all humbled under that. Yes. No one can see themselves as greater because when I look to Jesus, it's. Man, I still have so That's far right. to go. I've got so far to go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, again, it, for me, it comes again down to the question of control. Yeah. If I, self-righteousness is a good way of looking at it, but it, if, I, if I look at, again, those people out there, and I don't, I don't mean that in the pejorative. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. if, if, I, if, I, if I have the wrong standard and I'm saying I just need to be arm's length better than someone else, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is actually a way of staying in control in a way of not surrendering control to the Holy Spirit. Because yeah. again, I'm setting my own standard for what holiness looks like. Holiness is just staying a little bit farther ahead mm -hmm. than others. Mm -hmm. No, holiness is reaching towards God. So my arm is actually reaching in the wrong direction if I'm saying my standard is other people. Yeah. I actually need to be reaching this other direction toward something instead of reaching to kind of keep myself away from mm. something. So we're reaching toward mm -hmm. God. That's where our standard is. We want to be like Jesus. We want the Holy Spirit to change and transform us. We want him to help us put to death the misdeeds of the body. We want him to guard our mind. And that way, we truly do want to live by the Spirit. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we want for our lives. I think that's really helpful. So Holy Spirit working in us, indwelling us. Yep. He's acting as a catalyst towards holiness. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone is listening and they they want that in their lives. Mm -hmm. They want the Holy Spirit working as a catalyst in them. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Like, and that it's, it's a big question. It is a big um, question. And I want to almost divide that into two 
parts okay. because I would kind of wonder. So maybe for someone who's sitting out there and they're they've never they've never been a follower of Jesus. This is totally new to them. But then maybe a larger majority of some of the folks listening to us are folks who they would say. Man, yeah, I am. I am a follower of Jesus, but I don't know that I'm experiencing that indwelling right. work in the yeah. Holy Spirit. Maybe they wonder, That's like, did I ever receive the Holy? Like, what's what's going on there? And maybe they have, but they're just not experiencing it. So I kind of think maybe two categories there. So let's maybe talk about the first one of someone who maybe they've never received the Spirit. They're not a Christ follower. They're interested in like this is something I want. What yeah. does that look like? Yeah. So, so what we see. Um, definitely throughout the book of Acts, um, what, what I think we see throughout the, the entirety of the New Testament or post-Gospels post anyway. Um, so I'm going to talk about this in the sense of the normative way of receiving <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Because we will see there, there are some exceptions. If you read through the New Testament, you're going to find some exceptions. Yep. Um, but they're the exceptions, not the rule. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about normative, we're talking about the rule. Uh, we can just go back to the first gospel sermon preached, which was in Acts chapter 2, where Peter is talking to this crowd on the day of Pentecost um, after they've been waiting from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2 to receive mm-hmm. the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit so that they can go out and now do the mission of Jesus. We'll talk about that next week. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Peter steps out onto this stage. It's not really a stage. Uh, but Peter steps out before this crowd and preaches this sermon and, and tells them what they have done. He's speaking to predominantly Jewish crowd mm-hmm. and tells them basically, listen, what happened roughly 50 days ago is you crucified the Son of God. You nailed him to a tree. But that was part of God's plan. That's how God was coming to redeem the world in a sense. But when the crowd hears this, we killed the Son of God. I mean, imagine if that was you, right? Which we know on some level it is all of us because mm-hmm. it was for and because of our sin that Jesus died. Mm -hmm. So we see this reality. They saw this reality. They cry out after being cut to the heart, is Mm -hmm. the words of of Acts 2. Uh, What can we do? And Peter tells them this. He says, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, right? So you go and you repent and be baptized. And what's going to happen when you repent, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you're going to receive forgiveness of sins, Peter says is the first thing, And then beyond that, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit talked about as a gift that is received at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Acts 3.19 says very much the same thing. Talks about repentance. Talks about the presence of God coming to be with the people of God. Again, so this is the idea of the the Holy Spirit coming as the presence of God to be with the people of God. We see that again just one chapter after. Uh, so, So, you know, we have this theme emerging about what do we do? to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, it begins with this idea of repentance. It moves on to this idea of baptism. We can talk about maybe the significance of those two things, that that leading to forgiveness of sins and then the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit in that moment. So that, that is the normative way in, that we see in Scripture, in the New Testament, beginning with, again, the first gospel message. So if somebody were to ask me the question, what can I do? That's the question that they asked Peter, or how can I receive this Holy Spirit? I would have to go with Peter's answer as my first go-to anyway, to answer that question of how do I receive the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Is repent and be baptized. (laughs) And in that you'll have your sins forgiven, so past sins forgiven, 
and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the future. So that again, yeah. that's that's the normative that's way good. in Scripture of receiving the Holy Spirit. So what would you say for someone who maybe falls in that other other camp who they'd say, mm-hmm. I have been baptized, I have repented, but I'm just not experiencing this in my life. Maybe they question, do I really yeah. have the Holy Spirit? Did I did I ever get the gift? Like and so what would you say to that person? So, so here's one thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer on this moment of conversion, the, 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 the moment that we choose Jesus, the moment that we're, we're baptized, and the significance of what happens in that moment real quick, and maybe on the idea of repentance as well. Okay. You know, oftentimes when people are baptized or when people come to Jesus, they come to Jesus to be forgiven of their sins, their past sins. That is the draw, right? So... Yeah. When I responded, I, I can remember the moment that I responded and that I came to faith. Now, I knew in the back of my mind, because I had read this passage over and over, that I would receive this kind of elusive, hard to understand, not sure what to do with it, sort of gift of the Holy Spirit. Didn't really know what to do with that. What I could tangibly understand was my sinfulness. So I had a tangible understanding of my mm-hmm. sinfulness. Mm-hmm. The truth is, that was the piece that was emphasized to me as well, is you need forgiveness of your sins. And, and that was the piece that the crowd felt as well in that moment. Of course, they'd also seen the apostles doing some pretty wild things as they were speaking languages that were not languages that they knew. As we see earlier in the chapter, they were unlearned men speaking in many different languages so that these people who had uh, come from the scattered provinces uh, you know, within Rome and spoke different languages, but were Jewish and were coming back for Pentecost, heard them in their own language. So they'd seen the miracle of what the Holy Spirit was doing. So maybe they had more context for the power of the Holy Spirit than we tend to in our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it, it just was not emphasized to mm-hmm. receiving, you know, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and what that meant. And I think, honestly, I mean, Ben, I can't tell you how many baptisms I've witnessed where all we tell the person is they're receiving forgiveness for their sins. And I'm not knocking, I'm not yeah. knocking on any one of us who's done the baptizing and who's forgot to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm not knocking us. What I'm saying is it points out this lack of understanding about the work of the Holy Spirit and lack of excitement yeah. Yeah. about what the Holy Spirit is coming yeah. to do and actually probably a really poor understanding of what the idea of repentance is. Hmm. As well, okay. You know, so if we understood repentance better, I think we might understand again. So, so I've talked about repentance in this sense before. Mm-hmm. That repentance is at least as much about the future as it is about the past. Let's talk about repentance for yeah. a minute. In this, you did, you gave a definition in the message. Would love to read, and uh, you said that repentance is conviction about the past that leads to a consecrated future. Yeah, explain that. So. So as I've been talking about repentance and I say repentance is at least as much about the future as it is about the past, I realize that that still falls short of defining. And so I've been trying to work on a definition that was memorable concerning the word repentance for some time. And so this week, uh, while this past week, while preparing this this message um, during a time of prayer, I feel like God brought this idea to me. And I do think maybe this sums up what what I believe Scripture teaches about repentance quite well. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's got two C words in it also, so maybe that helps it be memorable. Mm-hmm. So consecration and consecration. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if we talk about repentance in the sense of, 
um, being a conviction about the past. So it's a conviction about the way I have lived that that is not the way I should be living. So I've been living life my way. I can't go on living life my way because my way is leading to trouble. It's leading to heartbreak. It's leading to my own personal heartbreak and the heartbreak of others as well. You know, I think when I came to, uh, to the place where I knew I needed Jesus in my life, um, it was when I looked around and I realized I, I was making a mess of things everywhere I went in relationships with others. Yeah. My heart was broken. Others' hearts were broken. My parents were very worried and concerned. Others were concerned about my direction. So I was looking backwards saying, I'm convicted about the way I've been living. Mm -hmm. I can't keep living this way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's, again, that's the piece we often focus on. It's conviction about the past. What we need as well is a conviction about the past that then leads to a consecrated future. And I, I know that word consecrated is maybe not one that we use often. So let's, let's understand what that word means really quickly, but it's an important word. Consecrated means set apart. And really when we talk about holy, which we talked about that earlier uh, in this episode, the idea of being holy, being consecrated and being holy are actually ideas that are, that are joined um, God is holy because he's perfect. We're holy because we're consecrated. So God is holy in his perfection. We're, we become holy because we're consecrated. We're set apart for God's purposes. So as it relates to repentance, it's one thing to say, I can't do it my way anymore because that leads to messes all over the place. The next step comes when we say, I need to start living life God's way so that I can be truly set apart and holy. So mm -hmm. conviction about the past that leads to a consecrated future. And that really is, I think, what the idea of what, what repentance is biblically. But then even think about what comes next. So Peter says, repent and be baptized. Even baptism is a way of acting out that death of the old self. This old me standing up in this water goes down underneath this water. The apostle Paul talks about that in Romans 6 as, mm -hmm you're putting to death your old self <laughs> then coming up out of that water being raised to new life in jesus where the holy spirit then comes and indwells you in that moment so to give you the ability from this day forward with the power of the spirit to live a different and new life so again conviction about the past leading to a consecrated future a future set apart for god from so, here on forward so do you would you see Repentance within that definition, is it more of an ongoing process than a one-time event? Sure. I think you could definitely say that about repentance. Um, you know, I think, again, when we think about the way that Luke talks, or that Luke shows Jesus talking about the idea of taking up our cross, Luke talks about that as a daily act. Yeah. So it's a daily denial of self so that we can take up our cross and follow Jesus. So I think, you know, repentance begins with a one moment thing mm -hmm. that leads to many moments, mm -hmm. you know, henceforth mm -hmm. uh, of, of saying to God, okay, I can't do it my way. I've got to do it your way. Again, that really uh, resounds with uh, what Paul says all through Romans 8 about the battle between the flesh and the spirit that doesn't just go away because we gave our lives to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It continues but we're just, the difference is we're not fighting it alone anymore. Mm -hmm. We're now fighting it with the power of the Holy Spirit, which was again, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead 
working in us. Yeah. So how does that how does that connect back to to my question yeah. on you've got someone who maybe they're listening to us, they've yes. been baptized, they had the maybe the the one time event, they they repented, but they just don't feel the indwelling of the spirit in their life that they yeah. they're not experiencing the Holy Spirit acting as a catalyst towards holiness. That they're just not they're not experiencing this. What would you what would you say to that person? Yeah, well, I would say to that person, that person was me. Yeah. I mean, that person was me. So I, I was that person. If you rewind the clock several years ago, um, my knowledge about the work of the Holy Spirit in my life was minimal. And in fact, I would even go a step further to say that I probably unintentionally kept this, if, I'm, if I can use the arm's length metaphor, mm -hmm. again, the arm's length idea one more time, I kept the Spirit at arm's length. Mm -hmm. And I probably at times quenched the work of the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit in my life because I didn't take time to understand, to pursue, to desire the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I came to the place where, you know, after having a conversation with a good friend about the Holy Spirit a while back, um, where he pointed out that a turning point for him was this passage in Luke 11 where Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. So we're asking, seeking, and knocking, asking God for good things. And out of that, Jesus says that God will not deny those who ask, seek, and knock the best of good things, which is the Holy Spirit. So the promise in Luke 11 is right there. For those of us who are asking, seeking, and knocking, even if at the moment of our baptism, we didn't understand yeah. the significance of okay. the work of the Spirit in our lives, it's not too late now to pursue the work of the Spirit mm -hmm. in our lives mm -hmm. for the sake of putting to death the misdeeds of the body, for the sake of being yeah. guided and led by the Spirit, for the sake of having our minds controlled mm -hmm. more by the mm -hmm. Spirit than mm -hmm. by the flesh. All that can begin right now for someone who's saying for the first time, I want that, or for someone who's saying, no, I need to want that again. Yeah. That can begin right now. Yeah. And so the promise is there for all of us and the call is there for all of us to pursue the work of the Spirit within our own lives so that we, I mean, again, so that we can move toward that incredibly high standard for transformation being conformed into the image and likeness mm -hmm, of Jesus mm -hmm. to be holy as God is holy. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. So let's, let's bring it to the final question that we ask mm -hmm. every week. So what is a practice that we can do out of this to be faithful to the mission of Jesus? Yeah, I, I think I think we could choose to do one of two things today, um, okay. and you know, so actually, out of my small group meeting that was uh, that we had yesterday, where we were talking about the same stuff, we had several different people pledge they were going to do def different things this week. One of them that I thought was really really helpful, and, and both of them involve reading scripture, by the way. So one of them was to uh, to actually read and reread this chapter daily. Mm -hmm. to be reminded by the Apostle Paul. This chapter being this Romans, Romans 8. 8. Yes, okay. yeah, Romans 8. And you can go further in Romans 8, by the way. I mean, there's so much more about the work. Oh, yeah. we said, yeah. so, we're, just, we're just barely you know, scratching the surface of what, what the Spirit does in our lives. I mean, further down the, mm -hmm. the, the road in Romans 8, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit helping us in our weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. And even when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit groaning mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. He, in a sense, prays for us when we don't know mm -hmm. what to pray, when we don't have the words. I mean, on and on and on, this chapter is just filled with powerful words about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So that's one way, one thing that's practical. 
Spend some time every day. Wake up first thing in the morning, maybe last thing before you go to bed. Read Romans 8 and see what God wants to do in your life. Mm -hmm. Allow that this week to be ingrained within your life. Uh, then another thing, again, you know, I think you could just, you could do, go, go to Bible Gateway, go to your Bible app, whatever it happens to be. Do a quick word search, type in Holy Spirit and see what comes up. The reality is, again, the reason we're keeping the Holy Spirit at arm's length sometimes unintentionally is because we just don't know. And I could go as far to say, I'll just say it about myself. There are times looking back now where I would say I was clueless about the work, work of the Holy Spirit in my life and about what the Holy Spirit really wanted to do in my life. So I'm, I don't want to say anybody else is clueless because that may not be a nice thing to say about you, but I, I'll at least say it about me. I was clueless. <laughs> yeah. But I want to be informed about the work of the Holy Spirit in my life from this day forward. Yeah. I don't want to be clueless. I don't want to be ignorant. Because if I am, again, when we talk about keeping the work of the Holy Spirit at arm's length, what I'm doing is I'm keeping at length the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that wants to work in me. That should be enough right there, enough motivation for any of us to say, no, I need the Holy Spirit to be at work in my life. I can have the same power that raised awesome. Jesus from the dead working in me. Love that. Well, it's been a great conversation, Paul. Thank you for sharing sharing some thoughts on this. It's been very, very helpful. I hope it's been this helpful for y'all as I know it has been for me. Um, We'll be continuing this conversation next yeah. week with the final part of this series. So we invite you to tune back in next week. Please reach out. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, we'd love to hear from you on this. And we just want to thank you again for tuning in today. And we'll see you all next time. 